you know, set up this business, and it was just Gemini. So the two of us, I mean, we're out. I was out on a ladder pruning apple trees. Okay. And, you know, and then Jim hired a crew, and, you know, we bought some equipment and, and started the business. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 88 of the Kameno Voice. Today I speak with the president of the Kameno Chamber of Commerce, as well as an arborist at Puget Sound Tree Care. Please welcome Susan Fay. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Kameno Voice Podcast, where I interview folks around Kameno Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Kameno Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Today, I got to speak with the president of the Kameno Chamber of Commerce, at least president as of right now, uh, Susan Fay, who is also an arborist at Puget, Tech, or bleh, Puget Sound Tree Care uh, with her husband. And um, so anyways, she took over the president position at the Kameno Chamber uh, about a year ago now, um, right in the smack middle of COVID, like right as COVID is starting to kick off, that's when she takes over. And so um, <clears throat> the previous president, uh, Jim Ayers, uh, he was back on the podcast. I forget what episode, but you can go back and search it. Um, but I, we got to talk with him and kind of his background. And um, thankfully, not thankfully, but when he was the president, he was kind of in kind of peace times of like um, things were generally going pretty well and smoothly. And so that happened. And then as COVID is hitting, Jim Ayers and his wife, Lynn, who was also on the podcast, both of them, they moved, obviously they moved together. They moved to California uh, during this time. And so Susan was kind of thrown into all of this, uh, kind of, you know, from just being the vice president to suddenly running, being the president, and then everything is happening with COVID. So really got thrown into the driver's seat of uh, everything that was going on in the world during that time period, uh, as well as trying to run a business as on the side, you know, of um, <clears throat> with her husband during COVID. So, so much going on and she handled it so well. And the Kameno Chamber has done so much for the small businesses in this community. Um, you'll, you'll hear more about what happened, how they worked through all this. But, uh, you know, just big props to both uh, Susan and Jessica McCready, who both did so much for, for this community during that time period. Um, I just can't say enough good things about them. They both have done amazing things. So, um, yeah, without further ado, I will just let the conversation speak for itself. Here's my conversation with Susan Fay. Hey, Yale Anderson. Welcome to another episode of the Kameno Voice. Today, I'm here with the president of the Kameno Island Chamber of Commerce and an arborist at Puget Sound Tree Care. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Susan Fay. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Susan. Well, I've lived on Kameno Island for about 10 years. Okay. And uh, we've owned a place up here for over 30. Uh, I grew up in Bellevue, Washington. Basically, it was more like Redmond, Washington, because we were kind of on the border between Bellevue and Redmond. Okay. Um, and that's where um, I've lived there since 1965, so that was a long time. Okay. Uh, and then we lived there for 25 years, raised a family, ran our business, and then moved up here. Okay. Nice. Um, so growing up there in Bellevue or Redmond Bellevue area, uh, what was, um, how was high school and everything? What was kind of your interest and stuff during then? Um, high school was good. I went to Redmond high school and I actually, I think my last two years of Redmond high school, I was supposed to be going to Interlake high school because they changed the boundaries, but okay. yeah, just, it happened and I Ended up finishing up at Redmond High School. Nice. Yeah, with well, so all your friends were and everything. Right. So, yeah, that'd be hard to switch kind of that partway through. Yeah. So I wasn't, you know, real involved in anything to do with school um, other than, you know, honor society and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. But um, I worked a lot during high school. Okay. Yep. And I ended up graduating early because I was ready to move on and start my life. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So did that involve uh, jumping into like college or were you looking at more career stuff? No, actually I was, um, 
I worked the whole time during my high school, my three years in high school, as a in a dental office. Okay. And so my goal was to go to college and become a dental hygienist. And I was accepted at um, University of San Francisco. And that's okay. where I was slated to go to work, or go to school anyway. Yeah. And um, I met a guy and fell in love when I was a junior in high school, which happened to be the guy that I married. Nice. He's my business partner. <laughs> um, so I left um, when I graduated from high school. Um, Jim had taken a job in Alaska. Okay. And I followed him to Alaska. Nice. What was he doing up there? Well, he was working um, for the uh, Lamonts, which is a, a chain of stores back then. It was owned by the Pain Safe Corporation. Okay. And he... Um, he was managing their shoe department, which was owned by a separate company. And so they um, transferred him up there to open up the Fairbanks store, which is a brand new store. And it was kind of at the end of the height of the pipeline, when the pipeline was being built up okay. there. So uh, anyway, we went to, uh, he went up to Fairbanks in wow. January, and I f- he was a couple years older than I was, or I am. And he, uh, I followed him up there when I graduated from high school. Um, not to my dad's um, <laughs> pleasure, because <laughs> my dad lived in San Francisco, and he was really looking forward to me going yeah. to school and getting my degree, and I changed, um, I changed my mind. Yeah. So um, anyway, we went up to Alaska and had a great experience. Nice. Um, yeah, so Jim ended up managing both the Fairbanks and Anchorage stores, and um, we were there for about two and a half years. Nice. How did you like Alaska, I mean, after living in the city for so long and then moving up there? Well, it's, it was very different. Uh, it's kind of like, I think they called it the last frontier. And yeah. it was a young person's, a young person's state. And the, I think the average age was like 35 or 40 at the time. Wow, okay. Yeah. So it was a lot of young people and a lot of adventure. And, you know, we would do things like, you know, the, the sun would be up until midnight. And yeah. we'd... We get off work and and grab our fishing poles and go fishing in the rivers at eleven o'clock at night. It was still daylight. Wow. Yeah, that's it's like, so weird. It is. It was. It was <laughs> kind of an exciting time. It's uh, we we met a lot of nice people. Um, there's a lot of young people that um, we did things with, and they're still friends um, to this day. I mean, yeah. we all kind of were up there for an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, did you guys get married while you were up there? No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nope. We didn't get married until a couple years later. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So then, um, when you were up there, then did you get to go and explore a lot of the like, uh, you know, hikes and all sorts of stuff they have up there? Oh yeah, a lot. I mean, we, that's what we used to spend our weekends doing—just um, taking off into the, kind of into the wilderness and yeah. and checking things out. Um, lots of bear and the mosquitoes were huge. Yes. Um, that was and mosquitoes like me, so that was kind <laughs> of a problem. Yeah, but we uh, we went fishing and and uh, you know we didn't Jim didn't hunt or anything mm-hmm. at that time, but um, it was just sort of a an adventure and we worked a lot. Yeah, so yeah. That was so kinda... were you working at the store as well then? I actually ended up working at the store. I was okay. taking some classes at the University of Alaska and then um, was working um, in retail. I not it was part of the same store, but like I said, Jim's um, department was owned by a separate company. Okay. So we did that, and then he got transferred to Anchorage, and I, you know, we obviously went down there, and I was working at that store, and and then uh, we're there for about eight months. He had to hire some new people, and then we went back to Fairbanks, and that's where we ended up. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, when we've done, done a, uh, we did a cruise ship, so like not really seeing all of Alaska, just kind of seeing little parts of it, but I do remember like just from looking outside and stuff like that was everything was... It almost seems like larger than life, everything up there. Like, everything's bigger. Like, the mountains, the trees, like, everything just feels bigger. Well, there's bigger and more space. Yeah. You know, just there wasn't a lot of cars. Um, and, you know, people did kind of keep to themselves, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim had a, a great aunt that had homesteaded up in Eagle River, so we used to spend some weekends with her, okay. um, which was, was really fun. She was actually um, a teacher in the Anchorage school um, mm-hmm. system. And we used to go up to her house and on the weekends and play Yahtzee and drink beer. And she had like 13 cats, kind of one of those eccentric <laughs> ladies. But yeah. it was um, kind of had a little bit of family there. So that was nice. nice. Yeah. Very cool. Do you get to go back there and visit very often? Or have um, you been? I've been back um, for work. And Jim goes back every year. He goes and fishes. Okay. He fishes up in um, 
out of Sitco. His, his dad and his brother, they have kind of an annual trip that they go fishing to. Okay. So, but I've only been back, let's see, maybe three times. Okay. Yeah. Nice. But that was 40 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a while. Yes. All right. So then uh, once you guys moved back, where did you land when you came back? Well, it was interesting. I I didn't realize this, but, you know, at the time, Jim had sort of decided that this isn't what he wanted to do for the rest of his life. And his um, father owned a, a logging business, and he decided that that's what he was going to do. He was going to move back to Seattle and join his dad in his business. Mm-hmm. And they were basically timber cutters. So what they, what they do is um, there's a logging company that contracts out um, cutters. And okay. Jim's dad's company was just, they were just cutting contractors. So uh, we moved back to, to, uh, to Seattle and we bought a house in Kirkland. Okay. And um, got married. And uh, he, he's a fourth generation logger. So his father was a okay. logger, his grandfather and his great grandfather. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's pictures of his family in the Marymore Museum down in Redmond. Okay. Yeah. Oh, very and cool. And also I think on the walls, there's have some prints of pictures on the walls in Safeway in, in Redmond too. Okay. Yeah. Nice. There's a lot of history there. Yeah. Very cool. So then he comes back, joins up with his dad's business then. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you guys doing then after, during that time then? Well, he was, you know, he was working for his dad and I was trying to decide what to do. So I was taking classes at the community college and accounting and some other things, um, travel agent school. And I went to work for a travel agency, Doug Fox Travel. Okay. And I started doing accounting and then was hired um, by a subsidiary of Doug Fox doing, um, it, was, it was called Us Incorporated. And they were doing... Um, trips, small trips, a kind of a wholesale division um, to Victoria and to San Francisco at the time. Okay. So they hired me to kind of oversee <clears throat> that. And, you know, I, I would take groups down to San Francisco two weekends a month. And then we had, I think it was called the Princess Marguerite was sailing out of Seattle during the summer times. Okay. And so we had like two night, three day packages. Yeah. And so that's what we did. We, we put together these packages, and then we had a reservation staff that took the reservations from the travel agents mm-hmm. and then, you know, basically sent the, sent the people on their trip. Yeah. So I did that for um, Us Incorporated for several, well, probably three or four years. And then um, they decided to start another department within that called Active Travel. Okay. And so another guy and I... Um, set that up. And what we did is um, we put together active travel trips. Okay. And there were things like hot air ballooning in the Woodenville Valley. Okay. Um, Ski trips to Whistler, um, ski trips to Alberta, horseback packing trips in Alberta, um, salmon fishing in Alaska. So it was a lot of um, river rafting trips. We had three different river rafting trips. Okay. And it was fun. It was, again, it was, we sold them independently, but we also sold them wholesale to other agents. Okay. And so my job, you know, I had, we had a reservation staff of about eight, so I kind of oversaw our reservation staff. But I was also involved in meeting with the tour operators and the, um, you know, the hotels, the airlines, um, just, you know, the, the people to kind of negotiate deals on, on how to put together our packages. So yeah. for, for rooms and buses and ski tickets and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of an interesting an interesting job. Yeah. I had to travel quite a bit. Yeah. Well, and it, that would be, <clears throat> it, like, uh, when I guess when was this time period? This was back in the early 80s. Okay. Yeah. Because that was, like, the travel agencies and stuff like that. Like, the job was so much harder in some ways because you didn't you couldn't just be like well i'm gonna google like what's the best river raft trip like you couldn't just jump on the internet (laughs) absolutely not yeah so we were we were the um the resource for all of those things yeah yeah well that's great yeah so did you have to go and try different things oh yeah companies yep i i tried everything um many times and then we used to have these things called fam trips where we used to familiarization trips where we used to take groups of travel agents Mm -hmm. on on these different um different trips. So okay. like I remember taking, I don't know, there's probably 40 travel agents on a river rafting trip on the Fraser river up in um, Canada. Okay. And you know, it was three, it was two nights and three days. And we had 
these women and men show up with big suitcases, and we were on rubber rafts. <laughs> so we had to take all their clothes out of the suitcases and stick them into plastic bags. And, and then it was, um, it was a great adventure. I mean, huge water. And, and then we'd pull off um, at the end of the day and set up tents and cook over a campfire. And it was a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was, you know, one of the trips. And then another trip that was really interesting was... Um, we took, um, we had these fishing trips up in the Kenai Peninsula mm-hmm. for king, you know, to fish for king salmon. Yeah. And we, uh, we had a, I guess it was the executives from, I think it was Delta Airlines. Um, they d- decided that they, their executives wanted to go on this trip. So it was like four of the big guys, the president, CEO, a few others from Delta. So they flew into Seattle and I was the one that met them and then took them up you know, we flew up to Alaska mm-hmm. and, and then um, kind of took care of them, got them on boats, got them all, you know, situated. Yeah. But when I met them at the airport, I, at the time I was six months pregnant with my first child. Okay. And they were not happy. <laughs> you know, here there's this, this is back in the 80s. And, you know, here are these, these guys are going on, kind of good old boys going on this trip. And, and all of a sudden this young woman shows up in a dress and pregnant. And anyway... It ended up being an amazing trip. I also, at the time, we also took a um, film crew from Como for like it's their evening. It's kind of like an evening magazine thing. Mm-hmm. So we had them with us also. And you know, the guys, the guides on the trip were very nervous about me trying to catch fish being pregnant. And I was like, it's fine. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not a big deal. And I ended up catching the biggest salmon. Nice. Yeah. So they, I got it on. It was on television, and it showed on television. And when we got back. But the kind of the end of the story is when we got back, um, we were in the airplane and the guys had all kind of taken me under their wing and they all wrote my husband notes on, on, um, actually I think it was, it was some kind of bag, like a, a bag that people, you know, yeah, uh, whatever, a bag, <laughs> a bag on, in the airplane. Emergency plane. Yeah, yeah. Emergency plane. Yeah. Okay, anyway, yeah. they, they wrote these notes to Jim about, you know, what a good trooper I was and how much they enjoyed the trip and. It was fun. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So I guess growing up then through everything was like adventure and kind of that rugged stuff. Was that something you had always been like you enjoyed backpacking and all these Um, more high adventure things? No, not really. I mean, as a kid, I was the youngest of three. I had two older brothers. Um, No, I don't think so. We camped, you know, as a family. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of what you did back then. And... uh, you know, not not really. You know, yeah. it was just something that I was interested in. Okay. I was interested in gardening also at the same time. My mother was an avid gardener, so I was always, from the time I was a little girl, I was kind of with her in the yard doing okay. gardening. Um, but no, I mean, and Jim and I, we, we did a lot of that kind of stuff once we were, you know, once we were older in Alaska. We came back, we did a little bit. Um, in fact, that's how we found Camino Island. Okay. Is we came up here and camped and decided that this is someplace we wanted to live. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so you were working at the travel agency. Um, did you work there? Did you continue to work there after you had your kiddos? Or uh, no, actually, um, when after I had my our first child, I left and went to one of the. We had an advertising department it was part of our travel company. Okay. And one of the women that worked there, her husband had started a business um, in Redmond, and mm-hmm. that's where that we were building a house out there. So, um, he approached me and said, hey, I need somebody to come in and sort of manage my, my, my company. You know, he's, he was, it was an exhibit and design firm. So I completely switched courses. Okay. I went from, you know, running a small travel company to switching over and doing exhibit and design. So okay. we had three designers that designed trade show exhibits for companies like Microsoft and, um, uh, some of the big healthcare um, companies, mm-hmm. and then our guys in the shop would build them. We had about twenty-five guys that worked in our shop, and they built the exhibits. And then they'd go to the trade shows and set them up. So I did that um, for him, oh, probably four years. Okay. Uh, and by then, my daughter was born, and that was, you know, I I, I worked quite a while there, and. Jim was, you know, actively involved in his business. His dad had retired by then. And I ended up deciding not to work anymore. Okay. I decided to stay home and spend some time, you know, with my kids. Mm-hmm. 
And that lasted about six months, I think. <laughs> you know, when you're used to working yeah. and all of a sudden you're at home, right. it was um, it was an adjustment it trying is. to decide, you know, what you what to do. Yeah. I, I can remember um, going to my son's kindergarten, like Halloween party. You know, I'd leave from work and go up there for an hour during my lunch hour. And my friends laugh about this, but I had... Um, there was one of my one of the women there. One of the moms had made this caterpillar out of out of cupcakes, and it was just this a most amazing thing. All these cupcakes with licorice coming out of the sides. It was very cute, and I thought I, I was completely intimidated by it. I mean, these moms were like over the top, did all these wonderful things, and I was like, thought this is not something I could ever do. <laughs> And the woman that did that ends, ended up being one of my best friends, and she still is. Okay. So you know, forty some years later. Um, but I, I got more involved in school, mm-hmm. uh, volunteering, um, helping kids. Um, I did a little bit of part-time um, teacher's aid work. Okay. Um, I just wanted to be home when my kids got home from school yep. and help them with their homework at night. And, and I was working like 50 hours a week before. So it was just, it was a lot. Yes. A lot when yeah. you're raising a family. Right. So um, anyway, I did that for about, you know, stayed unemployed for about six months and then Decided that I needed to do something else, mm-hmm. and I liked to cook. Okay, and ended up um, starting my own catering business. Okay, because I figured that way I could maybe do the you know work at, in the evenings and on weekends, and that way Jim was home with the kids. Yeah, so it was kind of a a, a win win situation yep. for raising children. But um, I I did that for until uh, my kids graduated from high school. Okay. Yeah. And, and then other things came into play. I mean, I also, um, you know, I did the catering and it, it developed into an event planning business. Okay. Um, I volunteered um, for um, a, vol- a, non-vol- a nonprofit organization called ALE, Assistance League of the East Side. Okay. And I was real involved with that. Um, I planned and one of their one of a huge event that they had it was 400 people for a luncheon that took about eight to ten months of planning. It was to raise money for um, Assistance League. Okay. And so that I, that was that was fun, and I, I was involved in that for you know up for probably 15 years. Yeah. And then um, so the the event planning business went well, and it was um, it was something that I could do on weekends. It could, could be when I could take my summers off if I didn't want to work summers. But it was basically just I catered parties for like retirement parties and mm-hmm. birthday parties and weddings and you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So when you were doing the, how long did you have the catering slash uh, event planning business then? Um, gosh, probably like I said, fifteen years. Wow. But during that time, um, Jim's aunt, who was doing all the books for the business, mm-hmm. I retired, so I took over doing all the payroll and accounts receivable and payable for the business. Okay. And we had, at that point, probably 25 guys working for us. Wow. Okay. And there was no computer, um, right. <laughs> n- no computer to be doing our, our payroll. I mean, yes. it was all done by hand. Right. And so I did that. And then also um, I went back to school and became a master gardener because okay. I, I had a passion for gardening. And uh, that was through King County um, and Washington State University. Mm-hmm. And volunteered on Saturdays at the public market, um, answering gardening questions. You've probably seen the master gardeners out before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was trying to think about that, but yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, I've done a lot of things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A few things. Yeah. Quite a few things. Nice. So then with the catering and event planning business, then, um, did you have chef background that you were like, were you coming up with the dishes and stuff like that or everything? Okay. Yeah. And it was mostly, um, just more of a, an appetizer kind of thing. I okay. just, that was the easiest for me. And I worked out of my own house. Wow. Yeah. I didn't have, you know, it was just the way it worked. Yeah. Um, later on, I kind of, di- I kind of moved more into the event planning because, you know, with the health department, you couldn't cook out of your house back, you know, they right. changed the rules. Yeah. So, um, I did more event planning and okay. that was, that was kind of, um, you know, like Christmas parties, buying all the gifts that were given away and planning the locations and working with, you know, the, the facilities and yeah. figuring out all of the particulars of planning an event. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 
Very cool. So then uh, you did all of this until your kids graduated. Um, mm-hmm. And your husband at this time was still working with the family business yep. all through. Okay. Yep. Still cool. logging. Yeah. Yeah. So then what did you do after that then, once your kids kind of took well, off? Well, they took off and went to college, and my mother got sick. So I was, you know, spending quite a bit of time kind of, you know, facilitating their care, you mm-hmm. know, and what she was doing and where, where her and my stepfather were living. And that's what kind of kept me in Redmond. And okay. then when my mother passed away, um, it was kind of at about the same time. Jim was kind of seeing the writing on the wall that the logging business was changing. Okay. And that um, the contract that he had was probably going to be smaller and smaller as the years went by because, you know, cutting down trees and forests was not something that, you know, they were doing as much anymore. Right. So we both kind of talked about it and we decided that, you know, maybe we needed to, we still both had a passion for trees and mm-hmm. and gardening and we went back to school and became arb- arborists. Okay. And decided to start our own business as, a, you know, as a tree service. Yeah. And Jim um, took a partner, his, his cousin was his partner, okay. and we did that for a couple of years. And then my mother passed away. Okay. And when she passed away, we decided, you know, there really isn't anything holding us here. Um, you know, we've lived here for 25 years, raised a family, have a community. Yeah. But we, we had a place on Camino, and that's where we wanted to go. Okay. So we sold everything, packed up. And moved to Camino Island. Okay. And started our business. He and his, his cousin um, went separate ways. He, okay. His cousin kept the business down there, and we started a new business up here. Got it. So. Okay. And cool. that was 11 years ago. Okay. Yeah. And that was when it, uh, Puget Sound Tree Care, that's when that got started then? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So the property that you had held on to for so long then, was that raw land, or did you guys already have something there? Um, well, let's see. We, we had a couple different pieces of property on the island, but the one where we keep our equipment is um, right up here off East Camino. Mm-hmm. And that's where our sign is. Um, yeah. That's where we kind of run our business out of. I mean, the the day-to-day business part is done out of our house. Okay. It's an office in our house. But um, it's 13 acres, and it used to be an old Boy Scout camp. Oh, I and, didn't know that. Yeah, back in the 50s and 60s. Wow. So there's a bunch of um, old... You know, they're not there anymore, but there was a bunch of cabins up there, and it's a beautiful piece of property. Okay. So um, that's kind of where we set up shop, and um, when we first came up and we rented a house, because we had, we had a cabin on the west side of the island, but it was only like 420 square feet. Mm-hmm. It was built in the 30s. Yeah. Um, great place to spend the summer with yeah. your kids and stuff, but not to live in. <laughs> so we rented a house in uh, Camelot, actually, and... Our goal was to um, was to to maybe buy a house, fix it up, sell it, buy a house, fix it up, and sell. We just thought that would be something interesting to do. Yeah. And we finally thought, you know, we own this place. We're paying <clears throat> taxes on it and water share. Yep. Why don't we just tear it down and build a house? So that's what we eventually did do. Okay. But um, in the meantime, we set up you know set up this business, and it was just Jim and I. So the two of us, I mean, we're out. I was out on a ladder pruning apple trees. Okay. And, you know, and then Jim hired a crew and, you know, we bought some equipment and, and started the business. Nice. And, and then I sort of segued off into something else, mm-hmm. which kind of is my tendency here. <laughs> and so I, um, because I was a master gardener and I had a horticulture background and an arborist, um, there wasn't any place for me to garden. I had we had acreage in Redmond, and I had huge gardens and okay. all kinds of things. And so I um, I started a potting business. Okay. So um, basically, I had enough customers that you know, they would say, "Gosh, your pots look beautiful. You know, can you can do mine?" So I started a business where I actually went out to people's homes, designed their pots, bought the plants, filled their pots, and then you know came back in the fall, put their fall plants in. Okay. And it was all over. I mean, I had customers in Madison Park and Kirkland, Redmond, downtown Seattle. Um, and then I started developing a clientele up here on the island. So okay. I had about a dozen clients here on the island. Yeah. And so it's kind of funny that um, when we were building our house, we were renting a place down the street and the driveway looked like a nursery. It okay. was filled. I mean, the wholesaler would come in and unload his truck with all of the plants that I had selected for all of my customers. Yeah. And the neighbors were just like, what's going on here? 
It was, um, <laughs> it was, it was fun. Yeah. And it's, it kind of, it was sort of my, um, I tried to take something that I was passionate about, kind of like what I did with cooking and catering. Yeah. And then, um, put them into pots. Yeah. So I just stopped doing that. I still do it for a few people. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I stopped doing that about two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So w- something I'm a little curious about when it comes to like, um, becoming an arborist and stuff, what type of, um, I think like a lot of people have an idea of trees cause obviously we're surrounded by them mm-hmm. and they see them every day, but like what more specifically do you learn about and what are the important things that you guys find out about trees when you're going through that? Well, it's, it's interesting The the course that they, they put you through is through the ISA, the International Society of Arboriculture, and you cover everything from soils to pathogens to tree identity, um, climbing trees, how to fall trees, how to cut them and prune them um, properly. Uh, It's a really good program. And then, you know, you get certified, you have to take a big test at the end, you can become certified. And then you have to take continuing education in order to stay certified. Okay. And so, um, in fact, my certification is up, both of ours is up in June. So we just, we have to take CEUs, um, continuing education units. And then Jim also became a... um, uh, a risk assessor, so he can go out and um, go out and, you know, the city, like the city of Everett, would call him and say, "Hey, look, we've got this dangerous tree. Can you come out and give us a report on what we need to do with it?" Yeah. And so I ended up being more of the person in the office writing the reports. Yep. Uh, Jim would go out in the field. So a lot of times I went out in the field with him too, and just determining what needed to be done, and then the reports would be written up, and then. Um, did I answer your question about yeah. arborists? Okay. And so one of the other things that is part of my job um, is I do all the permitting. So if there's a county, oh, city, okay. um, the Forest Service, I work with them in writing up all their permits because there's a lot of areas that require a permit to cut a tree down. Yeah. And even island counties become very um, specific about where you can cut trees, where you can't cut them. You know, it might have to do with slope, might have to do with erosion, uh, eagle nests, right? All kinds of different things. Yeah. So that was kind of my specialty. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So then, um, so you guys had started this. You were doing the side business on the mm-hmm. s- side of your main business and everything else. Um, then, how did you get involved with the Camino Chamber then? Um, when we moved up here, you know, we left we left our community, and it was like that's where all your friends were. You met all your friends through your kids, through sports and those kind of things. And, and through all the volunteering that I did, but I just decided that I needed to figure out a way to get myself involved in the community, meet some friends. Mm -hmm. So I joined the chamber and I also joined the, um, ladies golf league at Camelot. Okay. Because we like to golf, but it was also, it was, it was interesting because I got to meet people on the golf course. Mm -hmm. Um, but I joined the chamber, and it was um, it was a little intimidating at first because, you know, of course, I didn't know anyone. I'd never been involved in a chamber of commerce. Um, but it was really um, it was interesting, and the more that um, I got involved in the community, um, the more that it sort of segued into, you know, a, a good place for us to be at. Yeah. And it's... Um, Great people. I've made a lot of yeah. good friends. Um, it's been a great support for our business. Um, I don't know. It was, it was a, that's how that's how it ended. I, mean, I was basically a member for about five years, and then I got involved in uh, on the board. Okay. So I've been involved in the boards for about the last five years. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So you joined basically as soon as you guys moved up here. Then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we just needed to know what was what was the feel of the business community here. Right. And we were going to be involved in it. And, you know, this is a small island and yeah. it's a small community. And, right. you know, we wanted to, um, you know, get our name out there, meet people and let them know what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Cool. So then, um, so you've been on, uh, you were part of the board member or the chamber board then. Um, and then what kind of, how did everything kind of, happened with like becoming the president of the command chamber then? Well, it's kind of an interesting story. So I became the vice president when Jim Ayers was the president. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, we, 
he's a great guy. We had a great working relationship mm-hmm. and had a lot of fun. And he kept saying, Susan, I'm only going to do this for two years, and then you're going to take over. And so at about two years, he said, are you ready to take over? I said, no, I'm not yet. I just, I'm kind of finishing up a few things. I want to tie these things up, these loose ends, before I can, you know, can decide to stay with what I'm doing, you know, to give my efforts to the, um, you know, to that position. Yeah. So that was fine until about April of 2020. <laughs> and he called me up and said, well, are you ready to be president? And I said, well, I thought we were waiting till December. And he said, well, I just sold my house. <laughs> <laughs> we're moving to California and I want, I want you to step in. And I just mm-hmm. said, okay, I think I can do it. <laughs> So he left, and as of, like, April 15th, I became the president of the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember this kind not, I didn't know all the details, but I just was talking with someone at Windermere, maybe even Coastal, um, because they share that building, and they were like, yeah, Jim Ayers is gone. And I was like, wait, like, not, like, where, where is he at? And they're like, no, like, he's moved. And I was like, What? I like yeah. we just talked with them like in December and they were like, yeah, so we're going to do this and we plan on doing this like in the community. And um, it was so fast that they like turned around and sold their house. And it was so fast. <laughs> and in fact, he was I think he was showing somebody houses and the house that they were really looking for was like his house. And he just said, <laughs> well, you know, I should just show you my house. You might be interested in it. We're thinking about selling in about a year. Well, they sold it. Yeah. And they have grandkids down there. Yes. And they were ready to, you know, to start a different part of their life, yep. a different chapter. Yeah. But it was uh, it was a really trying time to step in as president of the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. Right as COVID's really hitting oh my peak gosh. everything, yeah. you're stepping in. So it what was, was that like? It was huge. Um, thank <laughs> goodness for Jessica, because she yes. um, was sort of my guiding, my guiding light. But, you know, we... Um, we ended up getting, you know, the CARES funding from the from Island County, which yeah. they received a million dollars, which Camino Island received, you know, a third of that. Which mm-hmm. so we had three hundred and thirty three thousand dollars to distribute to businesses on Camino Island. Right. We don't have city government. Right. Everybody else has a city government. Yep. So the Camino Island Chamber of Commerce <laughs> became the city government. So we had to figure out how to um, put together a, you know, a questionnaire for businesses to fill out, yep. get that out to the businesses, you know, how to advertise it, um, and then go through a selection process. We had a, um, a group of people that um, were, was kind of a little board that sort of watched over um, the decision making on who gets the money and who doesn't and yep. how they qualify. But it was, um, it was tough because it was during COVID. Yeah. And you couldn't meet. Yep. You couldn't talk to people. Everything was done via Zoom. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a challenge. Yeah. Um, and of course I was, you know, I had my grandkids there for the summer and I was up, I just, you know, went down to the office and started working at 2am going through all of these questionnaires because I had this window from two to six in the morning to try and get this stuff done because I had a house full of people and a business to run. So, um, anyway, it was, it was challenging, but really gratifying yeah um, being able to see that there were so many people in need and that we were able to help um, support these businesses that yeah. are part of our community right yeah it was good yeah and and just uh, thank you from I mean from our business and just I know so many other businesses that were helped through that and the how quickly the uh, Chamber of Commerce was able to get information out process stuff get through things um, as things were changing on a daily or hourly basis of like, okay, so this can happen, but this can't happen. Like right. everything was so chaotic. And um, I just felt like the chamber did a really good job in communicating with, with the island and the businesses that were part of the ca- chamber. And um, yeah, it was just, there was a, so much good information that you guys were kicking out. That no, was super thanks. Helpful. Thanks. It was, uh, it was a good effort. And, you know, a lot of people were involved in it. Mm-hmm. I just... You know, can't say enough how much, um, how important it was for us to help these these businesses out because everybody was struggling. And to see, you know, our restaurants all of a sudden not open and our nail salons and our gyms and, you know, it just, it really affected a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So then how, 
you guys were getting through the CARES Act and that stuff. Then what, what, how did it kind of continue on as, as we went through the rest of that year? Well, you know, we just tried to um, connect with our, our local businesses th and mostly through our membership, you know, because we, we, um, we worked really hard on making sure that our members were heard mm -hmm. and, listen, you know, listened to and sending out um, information that could be helpful for them, you know, like the Here For You that, um, that we set up. So what is, yeah. And just to, and, you know, we did the, we tried to do some fundraising locally for, you know, like with the um, prom in a bag for their high school seniors. Yeah. Yep. And which was a great success. Um, I'm trying to think. We just, it just seemed like, I think it was more just a communication thing, just trying to stay in touch and make sure that um, people, you know, people had, we filled their needs, you know, yeah. like for instance, you know, trying to get um, gift cards and raising yeah. the money for that, for the, for the restaurants, mm -hmm. that was really helpful. And then because mm -hmm. we couldn't do chili chowder, you know, we tried to come up with an, another plan and yeah. we brought in the restaurants and said, Hey, on this weekend, you know, sell chili or chowder and we'll send, direct people your way through advertising and social media. Yeah. And that seemed to help too. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I just think it's been like, it, everything has had to change and evolve. And I th feel like, especially now as we enter into 2021 and we're getting going and looking at events, stuff like that, it's like trying to figure out, you know, we're still obviously in the midst of COVID and like, you know, vaccinations are starting to come out and things like that, but we're still very much in it. And so it's like, what, what are we able to do and stuff like that? So how is, um, you know, how is the chamber kind of looking ahead for this year then? Um, well, you know, we're doing pretty well um, with, you know, luckily, you know, we were able to um, get some support from the county through CARES to um, be able to do what we did with the CARES funding. Mm -hmm. So we have, you know, financially we're doing okay. Um, but, you know, looking forward, you know, we did, um, we did GlassQuest, which was yeah. amazing. Yeah. I know the island was very busy and I think some people were not, you know, they were a little overwhelmed by the amount of traffic we had yeah. going on. But, but again, it helped businesses right. and it helped people. It mm -hmm. helped people get out and do the things that they needed to do that they haven't been able to do for a year. Yeah. You know, mentally, this has been really tough on, on our community right. and, and our, our world, basically. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, it was a lot of work. Um, Jessica's our, you know, our glass quest queen. Um, <laughs> she's amazing and yeah. did a great job. Uh, so that's, you know, glass quest was a success and we're looking forward to next year. Yeah. And, you know, generally we have our, um, biz brats and beats. It used to be called beer brats and biz uh -huh. that we do at freedom park. Yep. And, we're kind of trying to decide where that's going to go. We're yeah. going to make some decisions here in the next couple of days, but um, it may be something that we are do in August, or we may just wait until next year. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, we just kind of have to wait and see where we are with COVID. Yeah. You know, with because um, you can't really have a festival if you can't have food. Right. And and music and you know a beer garden and some of the things that people look forward to. Right. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised. Uh, even San Camino Fair has still not released whether or not they're planning on doing one this year. Yeah. Which I figured by August, it's going to be middle of summer. Everything that you do at the fair is outside. But then it does bring in a lot of people. So it's like kind of balancing all of that. Yeah, it is. And it's just trying to see into the future. And that's not yeah. something that, you know, it's something we've been used to doing, you know, mm -hmm. because things are sort of guaranteed and you kind of go along your way and it's, it, it happens. But yeah. with this, this is something none of us have ever encountered. And right. what do you do? You know, you just kind of it's sort of a wait and see. But the problem with having events is that it's a, it's a plan. You right. have to plan ahead of time. Yes. You yeah. know, to get musicians, <laughs> to get vendors, to how, you know, cause what it's part of, part of it is business and getting your businesses to have, booths set up so that they can share what they do with the community mm -hmm. um, in a comfortable outdoor space. Right. But um, it's just, it's hard to see, see where that's going to go and getting sponsorships with businesses that, you know, are struggling financially. I mean, those are all things that, you know, you have to take into consideration. Right. Yeah. No. And, and obviously then you got to get the marketing and everything out there so people know that it's happening. Right. Because it costs money to, 
you know, to make money and raise funds for, you know, the things that we do for the community. Right. And that's, you know, what, what our events do. I mean, yeah. we, we're a nonprofit organization that raises money to help with scholarships, help businesses um, sponsor their events, um, and do whatever we can to support them as far as, you know, having speakers come in and, and talk, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very cool. All right. And, and then, um, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that also then we've got Chili Chowder coming up, and that's our biggest right. fundraiser. And we are really hoping that by November we'll have this, you know, have this kind of lockdown and figured out and, and um, be able to hold, hold the event. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know that, like, that was a, mass, a really big hit last year with not being able to do that as normally. And, yeah. Uh, it was so. really frustrating because I think it's something everybody looks forward to. Yeah. You know, and last year was our 25th year. Oh. That's a long time to be doing the same yes. event. Yeah. We've kind of got it down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Um, all right. And then, um, yeah, is there anything else as far as, like, uh, how is, like, how is Puget Sound uh, tree care, how is that kind of done with COVID and everything? Well, it's been interesting. Um, we thought we had no idea. You know, June came around and we were thinking, you know, are people at the phone's going to stop ringing? People are not going to need work. They're going to be staying home, um, watching their money because the stock market was going crazy. Right. And we basically, our guys were off for, um, I think, two weeks. And then our phone went nuts. <laughs> Everybody was at home. And instead of spending money on food and on travel, they were spending money on the things that they'd neglected at home. Yeah. Like trees that <laughs> needed to be taken down or, or trimmed up or whatever. Yeah. So it got, we got really busy. Nice. And that's, it's been, it hasn't stopped. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's been good for, for us. Um, and you know it's it's a um, it's a great business. We Jim and I make great partners. Yeah. You know we um, work well together and have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the same interests. You yeah. know, obviously with with trees and the outdoors. Um, and you know, my brother is uh, he just retired from the Forest Service, so we had that. He was a scientist for the for the Forest Service. Oh, okay. So there's a little bit of family stuff there. Um, you know, Jim's other side of the family were in the film business, so it's completely opposite. We had, okay. We had the trees loggers, and then we had, you know, you know, producers and music music people and, okay. and stuff. Yeah. So Very cool. Yeah. So it's been, we have an interesting family. And of course, his whole family lives here, except for his brother. His brother lives in L.A., but okay. his whole family has congregated onto the island. Wow. So <laughs> it's, we we have our own community, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And then you guys must have been super busy as the, when we had the crazy windstorms and all that. Yeah. You know, there, it's, it's kind of a, a good thing for us, but it's kind of a tough thing too, because you've got customers that you have scheduled work for out, you know, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. Yeah. And then you have a massive windstorm. And what do you do? You have to put all those people off and, and help, help people. I mean, we had, you know, that one windstorm in, I think it was the first part of January, was that yep. it? Yeah, the, the biggest one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we were taking trees off houses and oh shops word. and cars. And, you know, I, I, one, one tree went through somebody's house where, you know, the guy was sitting in his chair and the tree came through his, his roof. Oh, my word. Yeah, so it's just trying to get people comfortable and making sure they're okay and safe yeah. and... All the customers that had to be put off totally understood. Yeah. Um, and just getting out there and getting the work done. But our guys worked hard. Yeah. You know, it was long days and long yeah. nights and weekends and, yeah. you know, to get that done. But yeah. And then, of course, we had another storm and then another storm. And we, we kind of look at each other when the wind comes up and it's like, what is going on? Uh-huh. We've got, it's been a windy year. Yes. So that was, you know, so it has been, it has been good for us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good. And, and, you know, part of um, working on the island is you get to know everybody. Yeah. And we have a lot of customers that have become friends, and they're, you know, they're, it's, a good, it's a good group of people that yeah. live here. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a tight-knit community that really cares about um, each other, and um, yeah. they really care to see this community grow and, and move forward together, it seems like. Yeah, it does. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Very cool. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid-fire questions. Okay. Uh, so the first one is, what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? Hmm. Well, this is kind of a touchy-feely one, but I bought a, um, a air diffuser. Oh, okay. It's yeah. kind of a weird thing, but it's, you know, that you put in on your kitchen counter and yep. you put water in it and you add essential oils to yep. it. And it really helped me through, um, you know, being able to walk into your house and smell lavender and feel calm. Right. Or if you wanted something more invigorating, you added lemon, um, lemongrass or whatever yeah. to it. So that was my purchase. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We, we use those with our kids and stuff like that, especially if they're getting sick or anything like that. Like we put, we have ones for like sickness or like stuffy nose and, yep. um, like they're one of those things that like, I didn't really grow up with them, but like my wife did and they really help like the kids drastically. Like if we forget to do it one night when they've got stuffy noses, like if we use it, like it's totally night and day difference. It is. It's crazy. Yeah. So. No, it's, and it's actually helped with my, uh, my mental state of mind. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, pretend you have a friend coming from out of town. What would their first day look like here? Well, I did have friends that came from out of town and this is what we did. Um, they arrived, they came up from Oregon, and they got here early on a Friday, so it was okay. like 11.30. Jim was working, and so we came down and went and had lunch at uh, Naked City. Nice. And um, then we, this was like, this was two years ago, so a year and a half ago. And then um, then we went to, we kind of drove around the island, got back, um, went for a walk through Cama Beach. And then by the time Jim got home, we um, hopped in the boat and launched it and went out and pulled crab pots. Oh, nice. We'd set them out the night before. Yeah. And came back in and cooked crab and sat on the deck and ate crab and drank wine and watched the sunset. Nice. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So that's that was a day in the life on Camino Island. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you can get crabbing in there, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it is. Nice. All right. Um, So who's an interesting or fascinating person in this community that I should interview next? Well, you've interviewed a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you have a lot of really interesting podcasts. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's, it's been great to hear all the different stories. Um, I have a few um, okay. that I'll, I'll probably share with you, um, you know, when we get done with our, our talk today. Perfect. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, and lastly, if you could have a message on a billboard right on Camino Island as you're driving up the hill, what would that say? I have two. Okay. And um, the first one would be, um, be kind, be amazing, and be grateful. Yep. And the second one would be, don't count the days, but make the days count. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Those are both really good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Well, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Susan Faye for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to commandocommons.com slash EP88. That's commandocommons.com slash EP88. Thanks for listening and see you next time.